Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 213. And jumping right in. Don't you steal my line. All right, jumping right in. (laughs) Hey ladies, it's me again. Carrie has to be tired of me, but she's the one wanting all the stories, so it's really her fault. I listen to you guys all day and I feel like I'm family or at least one of those weird friends that you don't know how to nicely get rid of. So this is a strange story. I was young, around 17, and I had a part-time job at a veterinary hospital. I would clean up accidents, prep animals for minor surgeries, restock items in the operating suite, basically a gopher or a peon, but I loved it. Anyway, the building was very old and has since been torn down. The huge building was sectioned off in five big blocks. Operating block, intake, and lobby block, boarding block, grooming block, and the exam block. The doctors only did surgery on Monday and Friday, and they would do emergency surgery as needed, of course, but only scheduled regular surgeries on those days. Well, it was a Wednesday, and it was pretty calm. No intake, no emergencies. Anyway, this elderly lady comes in, and I happen to be in the intake lobby and see her struggling with her beagle. I take him for her, and the secretary takes all of her info. This whole time, she's telling me to not let her get out of his line of view. I tell her, sure, but think this animal is in pain and could not give two shits where you are right now. How wrong was I? I've been wrong many times in my life, but not as wrong as this. Well, this beagle's name was Hippo and was the sweetest, most gentle animal. But she said, as of lately, he's not been very happy and acting out. She said he's also not been interested in food. I take Hippo to an exam room and notice him squirming and just looked like he could not get comfortable on the table. I asked Hippo's owner if he's always like that, just seeming like he was not comfortable in any position. She said, no, that dog could sleep through hurricanes. I tell the doctor when she comes in and she says, let's look at his hind end. She's petting him and basically introducing herself to this sweet animal and she examines his anus. Oh, here's the problem. She finally asks the elderly lady if he's ever had his anal glands expressed. The lady sputters his what, where? The doctor says his anal glands, have they ever been cleaned? The lady, quick as a whip, says, I don't know what those are, so no, he is not, but if this required surgery and I cannot be in the room with him, we will not be doing it. The doctor assures her that it's fine and we can fix Hippo up good as new without surgery. The lady tells me, I don't think you understand. Hippo has to be okay and get back to normal because he has to or I won't be okay. I tell her, yes, most owners feel the same. I tell her that when I'm not at work, all I think about is my dog. And yes, I work with animals, but I cannot bring him to work or school with me. And I miss him so much it hurts. She said, no, I'm not telling you the whole story. And I cannot really get into it right now. But I believe Hippo was sent to me by my deceased daughter. I gasp and tell her I'm so sorry. She cuts me off and tells me to listen. She said her daughter was in a horrible relationship and her boyfriend physically abused her. Her daughter had a beagle she found on the side of the road when it was a puppy. When she brings him home, the boyfriend was nice at first, but she started noticing anytime the puppy heard his old truck coming up the driveway, he would scramble and find a hiding place. She made the mistake of asking the boyfriend, did he know why the puppy did that? Content warning, this poor puppy probably didn't make it through the night. I'm cutting some of this, I'm going to be honest, because it's some animal abuse. But basically, the daughter tries to take care of the puppy, and then the boyfriend physically assaults her. The next morning, when she wakes up, she's confused because it's late, and the boyfriend's still in bed. She gets out of the bed, goes to the bathroom. She looks out the window, and she sees the puppy standing on the edge of the woods, staring straight at her with what she describes as a smile on his little doggy face. She quickly makes her way to the back door and walks outside, but the puppy's gone. Strange, she thinks, but goes back into the house. It's almost 11, and the landline rings. It's her boyfriend's boss asking her why he didn't show up for work. She makes something up real quick and tells him he'll be there in 20 minutes. She goes into the bedroom, and her boyfriend has not moved when she notices he's not snoring. She walks up to him and places her hand on his naked back, and shock runs through her body. 
he's cold. To sum it up, he apparently took too much of some drug that was laced with fentanyl and died almost as soon as his head hit the pillow. The girlfriend tells her mom that she truly believes this puppy saved her life. She says her boyfriend was in a different mood and really wanting to hurt something. The daughter tragically died in a car wreck two years later, and of course, the woman was distraught. She said she would not leave her house for weeks at a time and would only leave when absolutely necessary. The year after her daughter died, the lady kept hearing a scratching sound when she went to her back door, and there was a cute little beagle on her back porch. She lets him in, feeds him, and gives him fresh water. She makes a bed for him and judged his age to be about five or six months old. The lady then turns to me and tells me in a whisper, I think Hippo is my daughter. I just slow blink at her and don't say anything. She goes, I know how it sounds and you're the only person I've said that to out loud, but I do. I then tell her, it's okay, we'll fix the puppy up. She tells me, I don't have to believe her, I just need to make sure the puppy gets better. I tell her, that's what I'm here to do. The doctor tells us she would like to keep Hippo overnight and give him some antibiotics intravenously so that they can quickly knock out the infection. The lady tells her that the only way she will let Hippo stay the night is if she can have a bed next to him. The doctor tells her, no, we're not set up for that. If she was not wanting to get this taken care of ASAP, she could go home with some oral antibiotics that would take longer to get rid of the infection. I pipe in and ask the doctor if Hippo could get a shot and the woman can continue the oral antibiotics. She just blows out her breath hard and says, sure, we can try that, but you have to come back in a week so I can make sure the infection's gone. The lady looks anxious and I tell her I would come and pick her and Hippo up and bring them in. The doctor says fine and walks out. She's not a bad person. She just didn't understand why the woman could not leave Hippo there. When we're alone, the woman grabs my hand and tells me thank you and may I be blessed. I tell her I'm already blessed because I met her and Hippo. I then ask her how he got the name and she's quiet for a moment and then tells me that was a nickname her husband and she called their daughter. She said, I know it sounds horrible, but my daughter loved hippos when she was a little girl. It was never meant ugly and my daughter knew it. She said she preferred it to her real name and demanded from age 5 to 10 that everyone call her Hippo. So when the dog showed up on her porch, she knew it was her Hippo coming home to comfort her and tell her that she needed to carry on. That's what her daughter would have wanted. I tell the woman, you know, I didn't believe you at first, but now I truly do. She smiles and pats my hand. Hippo got over his infection and his owner brought him in every six months for a checkup and to make sure his glands were fine. The woman died a few years later and she has no family, but after a lot of red tape, I brought Hippo home for him to live out the rest of his life with me, my husband, and my kids. A family that I feel like the elderly woman's daughter never had the opportunity to have. He was very happy playing with them and loved to nap with them, but do not mistake that for being a passive dog. If a stranger came into our yard, Hippo made sure they did not even look at the kids and would let the stranger know that if they came near without me or my husband being present, they would regret it. They still to this day talk about Hippo and what a good dog he was. I miss him very much, but like I said before, feel so blessed that I got to know him and his owner. I apologize for how long this story was, but I've heard Donna say it on your show, and the love of animals, especially dogs, at least to me, we do not deserve. Thanks, ladies, for your podcast. You guys do a wonderful job, and I can tell you ladies put your heart and soul in it. Please keep at it. Amber from Mississippi. We really don't deserve dogs. Mm -mm. Well, and it's like she was meant to meet you because Hippo, like, you know, Yes. Went to your family and stuff. Yeah, things work out how they're supposed to, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next one. Spooky listener stories. Hope you like length and girth. You know, in emails, that is. Hello, ladies, and all of the creepy cats and kittens listening. I'm currently down and out with COVID for the second time, so I'm finding myself with actual free time to type all of this out. As do we all, I adore your podcast. 
And now that I make big girl money, I'm proud to finally call myself a Patreoner so I can soak up every second of content, mostly on my way into work. Side note, I'm a psychiatric nurse working at a drug, alcohol, and psychiatric rehab hospital. The hospital was originally a tuberculosis ward, and the original building that treated those patients was creepy as fuck, but torn down in December 2021. You'll probably call me a tease, but regardless of all the deaths that had sadly occurred where I work, I don't have any spooky stories from my time working there. The closest I get to spirits and such at my hospital is my psychotic and schizophrenic patients who report hearing and seeing spirits, voices, shadows, and even demons as a result of their conditions. Anywho, I'll actually get to the real stories now. A few years back, me, my husband, and my daughter, who was a toddler at the time, were living with my dad in a townhouse. I was in nursing school, and daycare costs forced us to break our condo lease and move in with my family to get by, particularly since I wasn't working in an effort to best focus on school and still be at least a partially stay-home mom. There were several strange things that happened there that pretty much only I witnessed. I never felt alone when in my daughter's room. I felt creeped out, but didn't feel anything malicious. I didn't like it when it was my turn to put her to bed because sitting in that dark room with that feeling made me incredibly uncomfortable. One day, I had been out all morning and came home, where my husband greeted me at the front door. Our daughter had been taking a nap, and as we were talking, we heard her wake up and start talking to herself which was not abnormal. She pretty much always did that and then would eventually call for one of us. He went right up to get her out of her crib and when he met me in our living room or the play area in the basement, he told me something that he thought was funny but gave me chills. He said, so I went to get her and she goes, daddy, I just saw mommy, but I told her that she couldn't have because you were gone all morning. She insisted that she did though. No, daddy, I saw mommy. (laughs) Haha, isn't that so cute? Quietly, so only he could hear me, I said, no, that isn't cute. That's fucking scary. She didn't see me, so what in the doppelganger fuck did she see? Now for a content warning. Cancer. About a yearish later, a beloved friend of mine sadly passed away from cancer. I was absolutely devastated for weeks. When I first received the news, I immediately fell apart, sobbing uncontrollably. My daughter, sweet little thing that she is, hugged me and tried to comfort me and ask why I was sad. She was still developmentally too young to understand death at the time, so I simply said, Mommy's sad because her friend went away and she won't be able to see or talk to her anymore. A few weeks later, my daughter was playing with toys on the floor of the playroom while I sat there still trying to overcome my emotionally crippled state. Suddenly, she stands up and says, Mommy, your friend's here. She's in the garden. Okay, except we didn't have a garden. We had a small shared backyard, but I assume that's what she meant since she was pointing in that direction. I asked her who she was talking about and she responded a bit frustrated that I didn't understand, saying, your friend, your friend Rissa. Well, my jaw dropped so low I could have rivaled snakes who unhinged that shit to eat large prey. My friend's name was Marissa. My daughter had met her twice, but that was when she was about two months old and just over a year. So it's hard to simply rationalize that as her remembering her, particularly when I never named who the friend was that I was sad about. I have more stories about that house, but I'll save them for my next email. I'll leave you with a few stories that all took place in my in-law's lake house in the middle of Northeast Bumfuck. I had been upstairs, just got out of the shower, and was trying like hell to do the, please boobs, stay in the fucking towel, I beg you, tuck. 
While doing so, the latch on the door began to lift and the door began to open. I immediately reacted by awkwardly stammering out, uh, occupied. I had assumed that someone else in the house was unaware that anyone was in the bathroom. But when I opened the door all the way and went to see who it was, there was no one there. Later on during that stay, I saw a mist, similar to smoke or steam, floating at the side of my bed in the room I shared with my daughter. It's hard to explain all of that away. But listen, the Mac Daddy of occurrences there, well, it gives new meaning to the phrase fucking creepy. So it was about 3 a.m. My brother-in-law was all the way downstairs sitting outside on the porch and had been typing up a paper for school. No one else was awake. My husband and I decided that now was a good time as ever for some sexy time. So there we were, a literal second away from entry, and both my husband and I heard a grown man's voice say something, as if there was someone standing right next to us. Like, imagine being spread eagle with your feet thrown over your head or having your dick out and someone you cannot see said something to you when you were literally about to bone down. We couldn't make out exactly what was said. It was sort of like when someone's talking to someone else, but you aren't paying attention. You know, they're saying words and maybe you can even hear their inflection, but you have no real idea of what was being said. Anyway, right after we heard it, my brain went, nah, it had to have been my husband. And I blurted out, huh? What did you say? Well, I have never seen my husband's face look so shook and wide-eyed, particularly because he is the biggest unflappable skeptic ever. He blew it off though, saying, uh, I don't remember. And apparently decided to just forge ahead because priorities, I guess. Afterward, he goes, so, uh, I definitely heard that too, but I didn't want to freak you out. I've never had anything like that happen to me before. I whisper shouted, I fucking knew it. Vindication. Y'all, he even told his mom that story. And without skipping a beat, she said, well, that's a man for you. Didn't want to jeopardize the booty. Not long after that trip, my husband and daughter made a trip out to the lake house. Just the two of them, because I couldn't get the time off of work. After about a week, they came home. Right away, he told me, so I definitely heard someone walking around upstairs, like in heavy boots, and she was asleep right beside me. I was a little freaked. Yeah, my dude, welcome to my world, because weird shit like that has happened to me pretty much my entire life. I'll write back in again with some more creepy tales and some heartwarming ones too. Love y'all, and don't forget to sage, Jen D from Pennsylvania. I'm gonna be honest, once I get turned on, I'm ready to go. It takes a lot to get me out of the mood. And if I think someone's watching me, it's just gonna be better. I say that, but if that happened to me, I probably would have stopped. I don't know. <laughs> but I will say, your daughter definitely is sensitive, or it might have been just because she was a kid, but that was definitely validation that your friend had come to say goodbye. Because yeah, you hadn't even mentioned the name. Hopefully that did help you with some closure though. And also, fuck cancer. Yeah, you get me in the mood like that, there's not a whole lot that's going to stop it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, sometimes if like the dog gets in the room, that kind of ruins it for me, but I can get right back in. Yeah. Okay, the next one. Hey, ladies, I hope you're both doing well. My name is Savon, and I adore you both and the amazing community you have built. The podcast has gotten me through a lot of rough nights, and for that, I want to thank you from the bottom of my weirdo little heart. I have a few stories for you today. Before I get into that, I want to give a quick trigger warning. The second story is about a near-death experience I had as a kid and physical abuse. The others are more lighthearted, though. So the first experience I had that was potentially paranormal was when I was seven years old. It took place during a sleepover with my best friend. Let's call her Ari. I was staying over at her house, as I had done many times before. We were lying in her bed watching The Princess and the Frog when her television started acting up. The screen glitched, 
rewound a part of the movie, and then went to static. This wasn't all that strange because it was an old TV. It had never rewound on its own, but we both shrugged it off. I began climbing out of bed when I froze. I felt this strong, weird urge to look at the door that led to the hallway. There was a dark shadow that looked like two feet under the door. We didn't hear anyone come upstairs or walk towards her room. The hallway was small and the wooden floor was squeaky, especially the two planks in front of her door. We would always leave the door open if we went to the bathroom so we could skip over those two planks to avoid waking her family. It was a noisy house overall, so it was strange that we both did not hear anything. I look over at Ari, who was staring at the door too. She looked terrified. I assumed she was scared because she thought it was her brother, who at the time was being an abusive piece of garbage. He's gotten a lot better, but back then I hated him with all my guts. I put my arm around her to protect her, no longer caring about the TV. We lay in complete silence for what felt like hours, watching the shadow under the door just stand there. It started moving from one side of the door to the other. Still, there was no sound coming from the hallway, though the, quote, person was clearly moving. Then we heard her mother closing a door downstairs, so it couldn't have been her. If it had been Ari's brother, he would have had to had go away at that moment, or he would have gotten in trouble for being a prick. But the shadow was still there, now standing in front of the door again. Ari and I were both terrified, hiding under our blankets, as you do. Her mother went upstairs to head to bed and opened the door, saying goodnight. We were frantically shaking our heads at her, too scared to speak. She told us to go to sleep and that there was nothing to be scared of. Right after she left, the shadow returned. I saw what looked like a giant hand slowly creep from above the door before it disappeared. That night, Ari and I both had the same nightmare. We were in a car... I was looking at the stars while Ari played games on my DS. We arrived at a church where there was a strange lion statue looming over us before we were approached by a priest. He talked to us for a while and then we were led into an indoor pool. Some people of the church laid us down in the pool, seemingly trying to cleanse us. Then the shadow hand came in and turned into a massive claw. The pool was full of blood and everyone around us was dead. Then the lion statue was back in view, a body in its own mouth and blood pouring from its eyes. We shot awake at the same time. I went to comfort my friend who began telling me about her dream. That's when we realized our dream was the exact same. It was such a weird experience. So the first true crimey story I have for y'all today is about the prick I mentioned before. Let's call him Dagon. Dagon was always very short-tempered, has anger issues, and as a kid was extremely violent, especially towards Ari. Though her parents always tried to step in, her parents were divorced and her mother worked her ass off. So whenever her mom wasn't around, Dagon would act up. As mentioned before, he's changed a lot. He still throws fits now and then, but he no longer uses violence as a coping mechanism for his anger. I still don't like the guy for what he put his family through, but I have come to forgive him for Ari and my sake. Ari and I had fetched some snacks when Dagon decided to throw another fit. I think he wanted the snacks we grabbed or something. I'm not sure, though. I usually tried not to pay much attention to him. He came storming into Ari's room, yelling at us as he usually did. We told him to get out and leave us alone. Of course, he didn't listen. He started threatening us, so we decided to try to go downstairs. Ari's mom had bought an additional phone so we could call her in situations like this. Dagan stood in the doorway to block our path, but we pushed past him. Next thing I know, he's grabbing Ari by her hair. So I tried to grab her hair out of his grips. He grabs me too, but I don't really care. Ari just had to get downstairs safely. Ari managed to slip his grasp and head for the stairs. Dagan lets me go, but I grab him by the arm to keep him from pushing her down the stairs. He had done this before, so I tried whatever I could to prevent it. Now, Dagan was a lot stronger and bigger, so all I could do was try to catch him off guard or temporarily hold him back. He was three years older, which is a lot when you're eight years old and a small guy. 
In response to me grabbing him by the arm, he threw me against the railing of the stairs. Not hard enough to cause a wound, but hard enough to knock the air out of me for a second. He focused on me, knowing I wouldn't let him go. I was extremely protective of Ari, and she was and still is like my big sister. I love her more than anything. I pushed him back a little trying to book it downstairs, but Dagan caught my arm. Before I knew it, his arm was around my neck. He started choking me. I tried to pull him off of me to no avail. I was panicking now. I tried to kick him to get out, but it was useless. I don't know what came over me at that moment, but the next thing I know, he let me go. He was bleeding and screaming in agony. I realized I had bit him so hard I had tore off pieces of his skin. I think that was the only reason he let me go. I'm not sure what would have happened if I didn't bite him as hard as I did. Ari's mom luckily returned a couple of minutes later and the fight was over. I was shaking and crying when she came home, apologizing to her for biting Dagan, who was crying upstairs. Dagan was grounded and Ari and I got ice cream to help us calm down. So this is the last story for now, though I have a lot more stories to share if y'all are interested. From spooky trips with my dad, who used to be a security guard and haunted buildings, to the time my great-grandmother told me she was watching over me. She died before I was born. As a kid, I had a cat called Winnie DePose. We just called her Winnie. Pose is one of the Dutch words for cat. And yes, my parents named our cat after Winnie the Pooh. She meant a lot to me as a kid, though I was too young to remember much of her. I wasn't allowed to pet her when I was younger because I didn't really know how to. She would often scratch me if I tried anyway. She passed away when I was six years old. I kept a diary as a kid, which I named Winnie because it had a similar looking cat on the front. I would write in it as if I was talking to her. Every now and then I would dream about her, but one day I was feeling really down. High school was shitty and I was not enjoying my time there. I was sitting on our patio looking over our garden where I had last seen Winnie when I saw her clear as day. Called her name and she walked up to me. I started crying and pet her. She let it be for a while before she scratched me once again. My dad came outside to check on me and she was gone. But when I looked down, I had scratch marks on my arm that matched her claws. I felt a lot better after seeing her and saw her visit as Winnie telling me that she was watching over me, but that it was time to let her go. Kind regards and big hugs, Savon. Well, first off, love the cat's name. And I bet Ari's so thankful for you protecting her. Yes, that's so scary. You were so young. Also, that reminded me of Fried Green Tomatoes when Frank kicks Ruth down the stairs because he's like, go on, go. And she's like going slowly and then he just fucking kicks her. Y'all, if y'all have not seen that movie, it's sad, but it is a good watch. It's literally one of the greatest movies of all time. Mm -hmm. Very quotable too. Okay, the next one, Douchebag. Hello again, beautiful ladies. I've written in before and will write in again, although I haven't heard my last story yet. My name is Becky and I will gladly allow you to use all real names as I don't care if the douchebag outed is embarrassed. About 18 years ago, we needed to find a large house to rent as my boyfriend and I had six kids, four his and two mine, and we found the perfect one right across from the little one's elementary school. I normally know when houses have spirits left behind, but for some reason, I felt nothing when we did the initial walkthrough. But the day we moved in, I noticed anointed crosses all over the house that I never saw before. Immediately, I knew something was off. My boyfriend at the time, now husband, didn't believe in anything paranormal, so he told me I was crazy for thinking anything other than this just being a normal thing from religious people. But almost immediately, things started happening. My 11-year-old daughter told me she would hear footsteps every night. One day, she was getting out of the shower when she saw a shadow of a man walking across the back wall of her room. Neither of these things seemed to scare her. Because of this, among other things I will get to, I'm pretty sure it was just residual. 
Other things would happen, such as cabinet doors in the kitchen slamming every night at 11 p.m., as long as no one was in there. If there was someone in there, it would be quiet. One night, my non-believer boyfriend woke up in the middle of the night because he heard children laughing and playing outside. It was 3 a.m. How could that be? I told him, do not go outside, but he did anyway. He walked all around and couldn't find the culprits. It was all benevolent until one day our friends Danny and Tanya from down the street came over on a Saturday night to play cards and have some drinks. While we were playing and laughing and having a good time, a cookbook came flying off of my baker's rack and slammed into Danny. We immediately went silent. Did we really just see what we thought we saw? We laughed it off thinking it was just all the alcohol. A little while later, the nuts and bolts began to fall out of the wooden dining table we were playing cards on. Ting, 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 as they hit the tiled floor. Somehow, the table stayed together, but our friends decided they had enough and left. Shortly after this incident was the 4th of July and my youngest daughter's birthday. So we were going to have a cookout with Danny and Tanya, their kids, and our kids. We drove by their house on July 3rd to stop by and discuss some plans on food and decorations, but the house was completely empty. When we called to see what the fuck was going on, Danny said they decided to move to Tennessee. Overnight. Without telling anyone. I was devastated. My best friend didn't even say goodbye. As soon as they got there, Danny left Tanya for a much younger woman and immediately got her pregnant. On top of that, he gave up all his rights to his children with Tanya. We never pegged him to turn out to be such a douche canoe, but I think the spirits in our house knew and wanted to warn us about him. We lived there almost four years and nothing ever felt scary there. It was almost comforting knowing that there was something otherworldly there. Unfortunately, the owners foreclosed and we were forced out. Thank you guys for being you and Creep It Real, Becky. They just like left in the middle of the night? Right? What? Moving is expensive. I don't know how people just drop everything and do that. But I'm also wondering, did he already have somebody on the side if they just like dropped everything and moved? Because it sounded like he found them pretty quickly. Uh-huh. Probably fucking AOL chat rooms. Well, I, I was going to say Bumble, but you took it way back. <laughs> but also, like, yeah, moving's expensive, but packing takes for fucking ever. And like, they had kids. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to pack all my house up and I'm a single woman. Yeah. It's a whole fucking family. That's just very odd. And I feel like him leaving, she dodged a bullet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that ghost was like, nope, this guy, douche canoe. Bad news bears, stay away. <laughs> Never seen that. What? Mm-mm. Well, I've seen the remake, not the original. Okay, the next one. Imaginary friends or spirits? Hey, babes. First of all, love y'all so much. Me and my daughter, Maya, listen to you all the time. Here's a story about me and my imaginary friends I had when I was young, about four years old. Their names were Jessica and Vanessa. They were both kids a little older than me. It's weird because I can still remember them clear as day. They both wore very pretty puffy dresses and had long hair and their hair was wet like if they just went swimming. And sometimes the dresses would be dirty like if they were in a fire and they would be sad and ask me to bring them new dresses. So I would run to my mom's room and take our party dresses out and give them to the girls. My mom was worried because she said I would talk to them for hours. And out of nowhere, I started talking in a very weird accent. My mom started getting freaked out when I would tell her about my other life in my new accent. I had sheep and lived in a small village and all the work I had to do and I was so detailed. And I knew things I had never seen. 
Also, they would tell me to dig in places outside or look under floorboards and there would be treasure. I got my dad to dig where they told me and he found a men's gold ring with owl faces. He was happy and kept digging. They didn't show me what else they found. But my dad didn't want to help me search anymore for the big treasure the girls told me to find for them. They had told me to look under the floorboards in our dining room. I would find a bag and somehow I can see the bag in my head, like if they showed me a picture of it. My dad still owns the house and during some of the renovations, my dad found writing on the wood in Old English font, but it's not in a language we understand. He painted over it. My dad's house is in Santa Ana, California. I will have to write in again about more of our paranormal encounters. Oh, and P.S. The house is old as dirt and yes, it was in a fire, but I can't find any death records. With love, Julie and Maya. Okay, I was wondering that. Like, was there a house fire and they're wet from the firefighters oh but were their dresses wet or just their hair probably just their hair and like could you touch them and what would they do when you brought them the dresses did they change right yeah 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 also was there a bag underneath the floorboards i know like what other treasures did they find and they wouldn't tell you i know okay the next one dreams and wizards Hey ladies, I've been listening to your podcast for three years now, and I'm always struggling to keep a straight face when I listen at work. I've got a couple of stories that I'd like to share, but I'll be changing names and would like to stay anonymous as well. They involve dreams and a wizard, so I hope this ends up coincidentally being similar to other stories in the episode, if it airs at all. If not, forget I said it. My first story is a little sad and sweet. My older sister, who I'll be calling Charlotte, passed away from cancer when she was six years old. My other sister, Alice, was four, and I was a baby at the time. Since Charlotte died, I've struggled with grief of not having been able to get to know her or remember her myself. Everything I know about her comes from stories, videos, and pictures. Even so, I've always felt close to her. And growing up, I felt she was always close to me and protecting me like an older sister would. I would mostly feel comfort and peace when I thought about her, like she was my guardian angel. Once I went to college, I joined a charity organization and started volunteering with cancer patients at a children's hospital. Unfortunately, I only volunteered in person a few times because it was a little more than triggering. But I did a lot of fundraising instead. After interacting with childhood cancer patients, I experienced a shift where I started to see my sister Charlotte more as a tiny sick child and less as a protective older sister. It felt like I had to experience a whole new kind of grief after witnessing the reality of what childhood cancer is. This brings me to a dream I had about a year ago. In the dream, I was my age now, mid-twenties. It was a late summer afternoon and I was at a pool party. The sun was shining bright through the windows of the house and naturally, instead of being outside by the pool, I was fully clothed, sitting on the floor in the entryway. There were tons of kids running around, playing inside the house and in the pool. I noticed a girl about 10 or 11 years old wrapped up in a pool towel like she had just come in from swimming. She was standing still by the kitchen table and very quiet, unlike the other kids. It was Charlotte. I got up and I went to her. She didn't say anything, but I gave her a big hug and a kiss on the head, and then I held her face in my hands and looked at her. She looked healthy and her hair had grown back. She was older than she was when she passed away, so I got to see her grown up a bit. This dream brought me a lot of comfort and, honestly, closure. One thing that upsets me when I watch home videos is that since I was a baby, I couldn't hug her back when she held me. I've never had a dream where I interacted with her at all. 
The few I've had played out like I'm watching home videos of her with the rest of my family. I'm so grateful I was able to give her a great big hug and smother her with love as her now grown-up sister. Sometimes I wish I could dream about her again, but I like to think she's too busy having a pool party up in heaven. My second story is completely different and pretty random, but I absolutely love that this happened and it makes me laugh every time I think about it. When I was a freshman in college, my sister Alice and I went to a music festival together. We camped out at one of the stages through three sets so we would have decent spots for the final show of the night. I don't want to say who was performing, but the vibe of the music festival and the final artist of the night is best put as being ethereal and free-spirited. The final show started and the crowd was loving it. The artist would tell us something and we would eat it up. Oh, you want us to sing louder? Done. Oh, you want us to hold our hands up? Yes, ma'am. Take our shirts off? Okay. I say this as if my sister and I took our shirts off. We didn't, but it was fun to see all the people that did go crazy. There is a young man standing next to me the entire show who was absolutely losing his mind. He told me he was a music student who'd come down from a different state by himself just for this festival. He took Snapchat videos of us together and was overall very friendly and a little bit strange in an endearing way. But he was just living his best life. At the end of the show, the massive exodus from the festival began, and I bumped into this guy again as we were walking out. He was holding a giant glow stick, which he handed to me as he said, use this to light your way home. I laughed as I took it and turned to show it to my sister for a brief second. I turned back to thank the guy, but he had disappeared. It was crowded, but the crowd was thin enough to where I should have been able to find him pretty easily. I think he still even had more glow sticks on him. I had also only turned away for a second, so he couldn't have gone far. He was just gone. I kept that glow stick on my dresser for years afterward. I think it's still in my room somewhere. I don't know if he was a wizard or if he just sprinted into the night like no other, but it's a mystery I'm happy to leave unsolved. That's all I've got. I hope you enjoyed my stories and don't forget to hold your loved ones real tight. Creep it real, ladies. Love, M. We did get a fuck cancer earlier, so it did coincide. It did. Who was performing? I know. You can't be doing that kind of shit with us nosy bitches. <laughs> you know we gots to know. But see, I'm not cool. Like, all I could think of was Taylor Swift. Literally, that's all I could think of. Okay, all I could think of then was a lady. She's a singer, a huge singer, but she's been on American Horror Story. Oh, um, yeah, um, landslide above you down. Fleetwood Mac, whatever her name is. Stevie Nicks. Yes. Cannot believe I'm the one that got that. I could feel Creep Mom like trying to pull the answer from us. <laughs> yeah. And then being like, huh? When I'm the one that got it. No. But that's who I thought. Like free spirited. Oh yeah, I can see that. I can see that. You gotta tell us who it was. Yes. Like was I, I right? have to know. Was I right? Because I was right. I really feel like you're probably right. I don't know why I went to Taylor Swift. No one has ever described her by those words. But I also feel like because Taylor Swift fans are like fans you yeah, know so yeah. like if she was like take off your shirt they'd be like yes ma'am i mean i would i uh, duh i'd be like oh what bra am i wearing okay <laughs> oh it's my one with the whole it's fine <laughs> okay the next one a victorian english nanny hello ladies i'm a new listener sent over from true crime society and i'm loving catching up with lots of your episodes So after catching up on lots of your sinister sightings, I thought I would share a family story. This is actually my dad's story. So growing up, my dad lived in a large house that had been split into two smaller homes, although still pretty big. It was in Lancashire in England. It was originally owned and built in the early 1840s by a wealthy mill owner. 
The house was home to many children and a nanny, a nanny named Sarah Ann, who passed away under strange circumstances. So fast forward to the 1960s, where my dad and granddad are living in half of the big house where the family business was in the grounds. My dad would spend many hours playing in the cellars and attics to encounter many spooky moments, cold areas, smells, and bumps in the night. I've also spoken to his best friend, who also corroborates many of his stories and even admits to leaving sleepovers at 1 a.m. to run home as he was so scared to stay the whole night. My dad lived alone with granddad. Many nights, my dad would get tucked into bed with care and a chair in the corner would have a small dog snuggled up. Only it wasn't granddad tucking him in and the dog stayed downstairs. Sarah Ann, the nanny, was caring for my dad even though she was dead. Sarah Ann was often seen with her small dog around the house. Dad felt as though she was always protecting him, especially at night when strange lights would dance across the walls and heavy footsteps would move around the halls. When my dad was a little older, he and his best friend had gone to play in the graveyard near his home. When a gravestone collapsed onto my dad, pinning him to the ground and breaking his arm. His friend had to fetch my granddad to lift the stone from my dad. The owner of the grave? None other than Miss Sarah Ann. My dad and his friends are now both in their 60s and will happily recall many tales from that house. I visited it earlier this year and had a tour of the cellars and house to be utterly creeped out and have a newfound respect for my dad growing up there. So not all spooks are that bad, and it's nice to know some will carry on to care. Creep it real, Rachel in Cheshire, England. Okay, can I have a nanny ghost? Not a ghost of my nanny, but a nanny ghost. I was going to say, you do have a nanny, No, i.e., not why. But I want to be tucked in, and I want a ghost dog sitting in the corner. I don't want all the other stuff, though. You better... You don't want a ghost dog. Your dog's 10. Well, she's 11. She'll be 12 in two months. I'm just saying. In addition to her, don't even put that out in the universe. You're the one that did it. I didn't do it. Well, I didn't even make that connection. We were at lunch today and Tiffany said, Anne Hathaway's just now being buried. And I was like, huh? Uh Huh? And she said, Anne Hathaway is just now being buried. I said, what? And she said, Anne Hathaway. Oh, Anne Heche. But well, there she goes. She said, oh, God, I didn't mean to say it. <laughs> but I was like, what? I have not even heard that she died. Like, And then, you know, she just said it again. Like, like hello. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and then finally it clicked. I love that she just continued to repeat it. Like, <laughs> why don't you understand me, dumbass? Yes. <laughs> Whew, anyway, but I think it's cool that you got to go visit and see where your dad grew up. And now you can know every time he tells a story, you have like a reference. Yes. Okay. It reminds me of, um, well, two things. The whole gravestone fallen is giving me um, now and then vibes. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's all. I can't remember the second one. Oh, Lord. This is going to bug me the rest of the fucking night. (laughs) Okay. Hold on. Let me think. Okay. I just remembered. And for some reason, it kind of reminded me of... Maybe I'm combining these two stories where the other old house would had the writing in it uh-huh. because it reminded me of this Christmas movie with Brooke Shields where her granddad was Scottish and grew up in this castle, but like his family was the help and he had this stuff written and she went back to it and the like lord of the castle was like oh you just want to buy this so you could own a castle and she's like no like i have ties here but they like hate each other which of course they love each other Mm -hmm. and then she like shows him where it's written and she's like see (laughs) i do have ties to this castle that's hilarious i don't know why that reminded me again maybe i'm combining two stories no yeah i mean you are but also what's that movie name (laughs) 
y'all, if y'all could hear the way she tucked her hair behind her ear and be like, also, uh, <laughs> it was a Christmas movie. I know. I know. I'm just saying, like, it just, Brooke Shields Christmas movie. Google it. Well, okay. Gone. All right. Last one. And it's an ambient story. Hi, my favorite friends in my head. This is Dee from St. Charles, Missouri, your Patreoner fan who loves you both to pieces. Just so you know, you are all my friends in my brain. Now all my fangirl stuff is done, I finally decided it was time to sit down and write about this Ambien story of mine. Okay, so um, about two weeks ago, I took an Ambien because I could not get to sleep, and apparently your girl sleepwalks. I did not believe it, even though my daughter and husband have told me this. But I thought they were haters when they used to say I would sleepwalk and go downstairs and get some chips. Anyway, back to two weeks ago. I had a dream, quote unquote, like I was Martin Luther King. But my dream was I fell down all 15 of my stairs. Welp, it was not a dream. It was true. My large pizza self fell down all the steps and ended up sitting buck naked on the bottom of the steps telling my hubby how I had a dream about falling down the steps. He ever so kindly put me on the couch downstairs with a blanket, and I eventually crawled back up to the bed, and in the morning was as chipper as can be. My hubby was not happy with me, and he told me, so you need to look at yourself in the mirror because you are all jacked up. I had rug burns over my head, arms, legs, and still have a bruise. Well, I decided the ambient would be flushed and no more bouncing down the steps like a damn basketball. I can now laugh at myself because I guess my daughter and hubby aren't haters anymore. Hubby, Melanin, Santa St. Charles Michael says, hi ladies, because he knows I love you both. Love, Miss Claus, D slash Danielle. Okay, well your ambient story, whoo, you were like a pinball. More like Plinko. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Also, I love that you were like sitting on the bottom step, buck naked, and we're like, oh my God, I had a dream that I fell down the stairs. <laughs> I know I've said this before, but there is no part of me that ever wants to take Ambien because I know what I did on one, what would you have, five milligrams of melatonin? Yes. I literally was cross-eyed after I took it <laughs> trying to stay awake. Like, yes. I know for a fact that Ambien would do me in. Yes. And you already talk in your sleep and stuff. I do. Why do I do that? I remember in high school being so scared because um, one of my friends said one time I asked about a cigarette or something. When my dad used to go off for work, I would sleep with my mom, and I was so terrified I was going to talk about smoking in high school. But I still do talk in my sleep, like, really bad. I wonder why. And I'm like, I even have a CPAP. Why do I do this? Well, thank y'all for these stories and how y'all all are like, if you want to hear any more, yes, we do. We want to hear them all. Yeah, stop teasing us. Just send them in. We like foreplay, but uh, we also like the main course. We want all the action. We're greedy. Thank y'all so much for sending these in. If you want your story read on an episode, send it in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.